Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Hey, dude. It's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you as well. So thank you so much for hanging out on TPQ20 today. Um, we always like to start off by saying, you know, we know who you are, but some of our audience may be new to your work. Um, if you were to introduce yourself with kind of that bio that isn't on your website, the one that your publicist doesn't have, uh, who are you? Um, I'll try to introduce myself like I would a friend that other folks don't know. Ooh. So I would say... Um, I'm a poet who made her first home by herself in Chicago, which means that I learned a lot from slam poets, even though I'm not one. <laughs> um, I am like a high key nerd from Texas and I write about um, mothers and daughters and fallen and fin- falling in and out of love. Perfect. Uh, I got to ask though, when you say you're a nerd, what, uh, what are you nerdy about? My nerd dumb, honestly, yes. <laughs> it is poetry, right? So like, yes, I love Star Trek and it's not like I just like Star Wars, but that's not really my world. Um, <laughs> I am a high key book person. Like I like to hang out in the libraries and spend time with the archives and the librarians and that. Oh, good. I- I'm not the only one who has a kid skip school just to go to the library and sit all day. 100%. Me, I was at the museums, I was at the bookstores, I was at City Warehouse. Like, I knew. Yes. <laughs> yep. Django Records in the downtown Portland Library. That was, uh, I learned so much more there than in the classroom. As a teacher, oh, yeah. And as a teacher, I tell my students that sometimes too, and they just kind of look at me like, what? I'm like, yeah, you're only getting about 20% of life knowledge in this classroom here. Like, go outside, experience the world. That's why I have an assignment to go someplace else. <laughs> go see poetry in the world <laughs> yes so then um you are somebody who has a lot of who are you are a very passionate person um and your book obviously comes at a time where it, it you know it provides that uh, it shows that passion for a moment that is one of the more poignant moments in you know poignant and unfortunate moments in history yeah. um and i you know that's i i love the fact though that your voice allows for that conversation. Um, and I think that's one of the, that's one of the, the cool things uh, about your writing is that um, you're creating a narrative that leaves us asking more questions um, and kind of seeking what else is, what other information is out there. Yeah. Um, and I like that a lot. What are, uh, what are your passions maybe outside of the world of poetry um, that have led themselves into your poetry? Um, that's a good question. I appreciate how you framed it. And I'll say first that that the only constant we have is change. Um, and that means there's all sorts of new information sort of all the time or old information reentering the the zeitgeist. Um, I, there are a few things I love. I really love going outside. So I like to go to the national forest and hang out by the river and I like to, spend my days uh, hiking well-trodden trails and fairly manicured forests. And yes, I <laughs> like camping, but not for like months at a time. Um, <laughs> I really, I like albums. So um, 
I have been re-listening to some old favorites, including uh, The Secret Life of Plants. That Stevie Wonder sort of concept yeah. in the 1970s still. Um, and it, like thinking about composition and about awareness of the sounds that just happens to be in our environment is yeah. something that I think is actually present in my poems. I'm, a, I'm very much a sort of bower bo- bird poet. Like I go out and grab a bunch of things that happen to be related and uh, let the associative leaps do the, do the work. <laughs> um, so yeah, those are a couple of things. I like music. I like going outside. So are you a person who, when you write, are you, have, are you a person who has music on in the background or are you a silent writer? Silent writer. Yeah. yeah. I also feel like listening to albums is an activity, right? So like that's something I do without doing other mm. things. <laughs> I like that. Then that said, what are those albums that, uh, what are those albums that we should know and sit down and listen to as an activity? Um, I'm going to go ahead and say it again, Secret Life of Plants. This is great. Um, if you want something that's a bit jarring, but sort of fascinating, Bitches Brew by Miles Davis. Yes. Brand new, but it's really quite good. Oh, um, yeah. I really love uh, Nina Simone. So Little Girl Blue is an album I really enjoy, but also just her stuff from, you know, the France era. Um is worth listening to. I've been listening to Herbie Hancock a lot lately. And also ah. sort of like atmospheric electronica business. There's an album called Green that I just was put onto like two weeks ago when I was at Breadlow. It was great. Uh, let's see if I can find that artist's name. I think Very it's cool. Yeah, I love Bitches, Bitches Brew is such a, Miles Davis used to be the only thing that I would put on college. It was the only thing that would like distract me enough to write that I could okay. actually sit down and write. Uh, the the live the plug nickel uh, collection is kind of my go to for Miles Davis. That one just there's something about the opening track of If I Were a Bell that just uh, <laughs> that just it's the most beautiful sound that I think I've ever heard. I love that song. Um, what uh, who were the poets that got you speaking? Uh, Great question. Um, I happen to have grown up in a very like black womanist household uh which is pretty lucky um so my first poets are audrey lord and nikki giovanni and june jordan um and sonia sanchez who i really came to later and then lucille clifton was like my mom's all-time favorite but yeah and she should be everyone's favorite right if if you want to see metaphor and sound and subtlety at work you read the lesson of the falling leaves over and over you know how people say like you know writing making it look simple is the hardest thing you can do that's a poem that is you know proof positive that making it look simple is the hardest thing you can do it's a stunner yeah those are my poets um well then you talked about the coming up in the slam world but i know that's a well let me rephrase you talked about growing up uh, around the slam world slam <laughs> community and obviously that chicago scene uh has always been you know one of the great great places for poetry in this world sure. uh and some of the sl- i mean you know some of the stuff that's come out of chicago and the midwest in general over the last you know 25 30 years has been i mean it's spectacular it's a great place for great place for words who are uh, who are the people you love watching 
Um, I'll point out I was I grew up in Houston, Texas, and so I also so you had a good slam world there too. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, you know, and I grew up in the museum area. The museum district is my my favorite haunts. But my poet that I went to over and over again was Saul Williams um, and Sonia San uh, because I watched Slam like it was the coolest thing that had ever happened. The movie, I mean. Um, and then I moved to Chicago and met and listened to Chicago poets, including Margie McConnell, who was a friend and who was one of my first teachers in Chicago, um, and Patricia Smith, who was one of the greatest to ever do it. To ever do it. Uh, are we all waiting for Unshattered? Are we uh, we're all sitting around, bated breath? Send it to me, yeah. Yeah, Oh, my she- God. I've, yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be a force. She's always um, like someone who write a round of sonnet in the morning. <laughs> like, truly, but that's not just an everyday activity for you. No, you don't do, like what, Daddy? Like what is happening? Yeah, that's just that's how she gets down. But also uh, sitting next to her in bar thirteen in New York, like watching her score a slam competition while she's mm. drinking her drinks, is like just really fun. She's hilarious. Oh, you know? that'd be so cool. It's really <laughs> cool. <laughs> So what is your, uh, what's your process when it comes to writing? Are you, you know, we talk to a lot of people and not a lot of people have like a nine to five, sit down and write all day or even a scheduled time. Right. Uh, wouldn't that be wonderful? Uh, or, or I was about to say, or really stressful, (laughs) but are you, are you someone who needs, you know, candles in the background, a cup of tea or uh, as you just picked up, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, what's, uh, what's your, what's your kind of background like when it comes to writing or are you somebody who just digs into your phone notes app and uh, goes for it? I love that that's become a regular part of my practice, the notes app. I was right. I'm very much trapped between the 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 analog and a digital writing life. <laughs> um, which is fine. So like I write in my notebook and then I remember that I've done that and I look at it. But um I I don't know, I just try to steal a couple hours a week because I have this fellowship at Emory, excuse me. I can go and be in an office in a cold building where no one is talking to me for like twice a week. So one of those days is all student focused. And one day is like, uh, I'm going to read through whatever notes I took, or I'm going to pull out a line and just do one of these exercises I would give to my students. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I want to just get myself to expand on a, a notion or a fragment that I've had. And so um, I will, I'll make tea because I drink <laughs> more tea than people probably should. Okay. So um, favorite, fl- favorite flavors while writing. Favorite flavors while writing. Um, I really just drink a lot of Earl Grey. Two glasses a day. That's it. And then, um, I have a like a chamomile mixed with catnip one, which is apparently catnip makes humans sleepy. This is what I learned from the coffee and tea exchange in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a, an Earl Grey cream that uh, just add honey, my favorite tea shop mm-hmm. in Atlanta. Uh, there you go. Anyway, so... Um, Sponsoring yeah, the right. next, sponsoring your next tour will be. Uh... Uh, I don't know. They're cool. I, I, you know, I like their space. I like that it's a bunch of black folks who sell tea, which is unusual. Yeah. Um, I, maybe they'll hear it. Maybe they'll be like, you know, we should pay attention to poetry. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I try to get to my 
desk before other people get into my head in the morning. So I'm an mm. early morning writer or a Sunday morning writer where the day can be slow and I can ignore all of my 90 emails, like email addresses. Um, you say you only get 90 emails? <laughs> I get fewer than that. <laughs> messages come from everywhere. There's so many platforms now. But oh my God. I'm relative, like, I'm just a lady who teaches at a school and, like, edits books uh, who also wrote this book, but I don't have some sort of, like, like, I don't know if people, if poets get famous besides Patricia Smith or, I don't know, Rumi or whoever, but um, I don't think a lot of people are knocking our doors down or trying to fill up our inboxes. So every time it does happen, I feel very cared for and honored. So thank you for reaching out to me. Oh, absolutely. Um so where do you, so um, I, I lose my own question in my head there. Uh, <laughs> let me get back. There we go. So in your, actually in your career as well, uh, working with students and having, you know, having all of that kind of input on a daily basis as well. Um, what do you find to be kind of your pitfalls along the way? Or maybe what are your students' biggest pitfalls along the way? And how do they recover from that? And what advice do you give them when they're kind of struggling? When you say pitfall, can you say that question a different way? Yeah, absolutely. So like, what are those, like those obstacles? Like some people talk about imposter syndrome or, you know, trying to figure out a way to, you know, capture relevance by, you know, trying to be something that's uber news centric immediately or say something cool on Twitter or whatever. But how do you, how do you respond to the struggling student who just, you know, is facing that, like imposter syndrome or writer's block or can't kind of get out of their own head. Sure. That's a helpful rephrase. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I think poetry is about the everyday. It's about the quotidian. And that's been true since this 4,000 plus year old art came into existence, right? We're not going to say something brand new, but we will say it in a way that only we can. Mm. And that's what we're trying to do here. Um, we're entering a conversation. We're learning how to use the tools of the craft, which is what it is. So, you know, I start that first few weeks saying like, what other hobbies do you have? And they're like, mm -hmm. uh, I'm a competitive swimmer. Or I play the violin or I'm really into model planes. I'm like, cool. When you get feedback from other people who make model planes, what are you trying to do? And they're like, oh, I'm trying to get better at like thinking about balance. I'm trying to get better at like how I hold the instrument and when I'm playing the violin or I'm trying to shave time off of my laps I said all right well what you're doing here in poetry is just refining again the same set of tools that we use in the discipline we the collective poets right um and taking a lap isn't a brand new thing or like a, an ingenious idea it's just a thing we happen to care about doing <laughs> <laughs> and so we do that and um I'm always trying to figure out ways to get them and to get myself to write for discovery rather than declaration, right? I'm not trying to um, come out and say something I've perfectly formed in my head. I'm trying to get out, get out of question or get out of an image or get out of feeling that I can't quite get out of my head. Um, so the closer I can get to it, that particularity of it, the more likely I am to say something that to say something in a way I've not said it before. And that's the thing that feels new, right? I love that you said new centric. I don't, like I'm too old to care a whole lot about being cool. Um, 
or which isn't to say I don't feel nervous or anxious or impostery because all of those things are true. I look to my poets, to my mentors, to the books to try to say something true beautifully, right? Um, but if I can just say it true, that's that can be enough for a day, right? Most of the writing is in revision. So once I've said the thing, once I can get them to just write the vomit draft, the first draft, the zero yep. draft, the new, new term for it, um, then we get to go into the to the lab and play, right? How many stages for you does it take to get from that zero draft to a publishable piece for you? Depends on the poem, right? Depends on the forum, too. Um, so there are some things that I do because that's how I write by ear. So there's almost always going to be a list in my okay. poems. Yep. And sometimes lists are of all like things. And some of them, sometimes there's one that's not like the others. And I have to investigate why that's there. Um, I try to just write a full first draft, full zero draft, blah, draft, whatever, um, without editing. And then not look at it for a week so I can come to it with fresh eyes. I try to read... Um, like a person who's just browsing through a bookstore, not like an mm. editor whose job it is to look at the utmost detail, because that's like crippling. <laughs> um, oh yes, and it's like not fair to the magic of the thing on the page. Uh, right. But then, you know, I'm writing a long poem, which I've never done before. Like it's long and it's syllabic, and it's got these sort of fifteen syllable lines and like there's cool. a staple in it and there's this little girl with an amethyst eye who's this surreal I don't know. See, <laughs> Patricia has her crown sonnets you've got this piece we're good <laughs> I, if I can just write as consistently for as many years as mama Patricia has I'll be doing just I'm just you know I'm trying to be like her when I grow up she's she's great in terms <laughs> of like, literary citizenship too and her like fire persona poems but yeah i um i think for that long piece it's going to take reading a bunch of other long poems and thinking about the like the work that an that an epic does and thinking about like how seemingly unrelated pieces make a whole and just feeling it out like i think that if it's on the page it's supposed to be there so it's about escaping it yeah, that's not a direct answer, but that's okay. You know, the long, many long walks, things. long walks through, you know, good hikes. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to kind of sort of head toward the finish line here, who are the poets right now that you're seeing, or what's like when it comes to reading and what you're seeing out there, who's really getting you going that might be a newer voice that that we should be listening to? Mm-hmm. Um, or an older voice that we should finally come back to if we've forgotten. Um, and- I don't know if you know Hayan Sharara, but his book, Something Sinister, is like truly a marvel. And mm-hmm. he has a new book out that I really enjoy, which title I cannot remember yet. So let me look at my book. That is not a name I'm familiar with. So that's something I'll be checking out later today. Yeah, it's called Something Sinister. It's really remarkable. My students loved it too, which was exciting. Fantastic. You never know what's going to happen with um folks who are not in their 30s for them so um (laughs) so yeah i really i like him um i we just published a book called the body family by hope wabuki um 
And it's, it's very, very smart and it is um, comprehensive and it is musical and painstaking and sort of beautiful. Uh, nice. Yeah, so that's a good time. All know? right, and then uh, how about you? Uh, where can we find your work, uh, especially you know, as it is just uh, it is just being released into the world? Uh, you can buy all the blood involved in love anywhere you buy books. I think you should buy it from independent bookstores. So if you have one in your yes. neighborhood, you should ask them to buy it. Um, and also, if you're going to buy it on the internet, use bookshop.org if you can pull that off. Haymarket Books sells their books directly through our website as well. And check out our events. Uh, and if you want some one-off poems, I have some poems in Crazy Horse online and also in the Boston Review. Awesome. Thank you so much for hanging Thank out today you. at TVB Twenty. This was wonderful. Thank you. I look forward to uh, I look forward to uh, the next few weeks of hearing nothing but words and kind words about your book. And uh, there will definitely that review pops up tomorrow on the poetry question. So uh, check that out. Um, and I can't wait for people to discover your words uh, because they are they are powerful um, and poignant and necessary. Uh, so thank you for writing and we will talk to you soon thank you for this space and time be well absolutely Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.